Optimal Bio podcast. At Optimal Bio, we don't just balance your hormones, we balance your whole body. Our conversations range from nutrition to medicine with an emphasis on wellness tips to support your health journey. If you like what you hear, find us on the web at optimalbio.com and follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Optimal Bio's Health and Wellness Podcast Series. Today, uh, we are honored to have Blake Shepard, Director of Health Promotions at Cambridge Fitness. He's been, uh, you know, been able to race some of his schedule to, uh, to pull out of his busy day to come join us today. Uh, so, Blake, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, talk to you guys a little bit about health and wellness and, you know, things that we really have strived to be the best at in our industry. Cool. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, just give a brief introduction to the audience. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on with you at this point in time, what some of your roles and responsibilities are and a little bit about Cambridge. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you. Uh, I work for a company called Cambridge Village. Um, We are now on our third site. Um, we started off in Apex, North Carolina about just more than 10 years ago, and we opened a retirement community in that area that ran for a good three or four years. Uh, and then a Wilmington, North Carolina project began. That's where I kind of came on the scene. Um, I was hired by Cambridge Village to facilitate as an exercise physiologist in the building to help the resident that lives there, but also we have a fitness membership open to the public. We focus on the older adult. Um, and so, you know, obtaining some certifications over uh, uh, years after college, I uh, was able to kind of specialize in functional aging and work with that population on a number of different ways. Um, I started in the career, I was a competitive gymnast growing up, and I sustained, you know, a few extra injuries than most athletes. And so I found myself in a physical therapy setting multiple times. Uh, and I really enjoyed that aspect of um, learning how to heal the body through movement and um, trying to limit the medication if possible and just try to use stretching and strengthening and, you know, some, you know, holistic modalities to try to help, you know, persevere through that and continue to perform in the sport. Um, and then I decided to enter into East Carolina to do uh, exercise physiology. And so I completed my degree there and started working in a physical therapy setting uh, where I really gained a lot of skill set working in kind of that rehab, prehab side of things um, and working with individuals, whether kids coming in for sporting accidents or car accidents or a lot of older adults with hip and knee and back injuries and surgeries. So Working in that setting for about six years kind of gave me a ton of experience to uh, work in a retirement community and, um, um, yeah, be able yeah, to that's help great. so many so individuals. Let me um, walk you back. Um, you know, you mentioned you were a gymnast in high school. Uh, how did you get involved in the sport in the first place? And also, just for the audience, where did you grow up? Are you from North Carolina? I am. I grew up in Winston-Salem area. So Louisville is the small town outside of Winston-Salem in Forsyth County. Um, I grew up there. I did gymnastics in Kernersville, North Carolina. Um, you know, I started in a rec program at two, three years old, um, started competing at eight years old. And then all the way through 18, when I graduated high school, I was still competing. So when you're, how do your parents know to put you in a program like that? Are you one of these <laughs> 
one-year-olds and two-year-olds that are doing flips off the coffee table and jumping on <laughs> yeah. couches and all that kind of stuff. You like- nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so at two, three years old, I was constantly jumping on the couch, pulling the cushions off, front flips onto the backside, uh, climbing trees and, you know, swinging from anything that was hanging up high. And so my parents were, they knew it was time to set me up for some structure and allow me to express myself in a, you know, professional setting around those that also, you know, know the sport. And I fell in love with it. You know, I was tumbling at five, six years old. Uh, you know, I competed in high bar and rings and pommel horse and really just took on men's gymnastics full on. Um, but the injuries definitely slowed it down. You know, I'd be, you know, persevering through one injury to another and it just kind of accrued to the point where, you know, my body said, you know what, maybe high school sports, wrestling and lacrosse and doing more team sports would, you know, help out. So I started coaching gymnastics uh, and, you know, continued that after high school um, and just working with athletes. And then I kind of fell in love with working with adults and um, ended up being older adults in the physical therapy realm to really help them transition from physical therapy into a structured fitness program with a little bit more uh, medically thought process to, mm-hmm. you know, engaging with them. So when you're, um, you're training back then, you know, how competitive were you? Uh, you know, did you go off to camp, for example, and go train in Florida with, you know, former Russian coaches, or were you just doing a lot of stuff locally? And, um, you know, and when did you start getting hurt? Um, so the competition side of things, you know, it really became more, more of a traveling type gig around 12, 13, 14 years old. You know, we'd have, uh, competitions all around the state, um, Virginia and Georgia. Uh, we had, you know, regional events down in Florida most of the time. Um, so yearly you'd have a state competition and then you would qualify for regionals. And I was very competitive for, um, my age group and, uh, continued on to about a collegiate level. And then I had a pretty bad ankle and foot injury that really slowed down that, that route of, you know, collegiate gymnastics. So, um, but everything worked out for a reason, you know, getting set up in a physical therapy clinic. I look back at, you know, back-to-back injuries. If I hadn't had that, I probably would not be where I'm at doing something that I love so much. So. Yeah, it's, uh, Kind of, you're so we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, and you know, she played soccer and, um, you know, ended up sustaining some injuries over time. And we got into a discussion about whether or not, you know, playing a single sport, um, or, or overtraining actually, um, you know, leads to just too much, you know, wear and tear on specific muscles, joints, you know, bones, et cetera. Um, you know, with all the knowledge you have now and looking back on, uh, if you were, let's say to train, you know, younger people at this point in time, uh, would you encourage the parents to basically do what you did in high school where you started doing multiple sports as opposed to one thing? Um, you know, it just seems like a lot of, especially my kids, you know, their generation, you know, these kids play soccer 24 seven, you know, seven days a week, all three seasons out of four seasons, they get maybe two weeks off in the summertime. And, you know, a lot of them by the time they get to high school and college have, you know, significant knee injuries, for example. Yeah. Um, I think there is a, uh, an effort of recovery is important. Uh, I think multi-sport athletes, you know, make some of the best athletes. Um, 
all my friends that I grew up with that did gymnastics at a young age were able to compete in baseball and football. And, you know, a lot of us were a little bit shorter, so maybe not basketball per se, but uh, we could definitely, you know, sprint with the best of them, um, you know, playing Pop Warner football, you know, doing uh, being a cornerback. I was uh, in um, my you know younger years. So being able to compete, um, I don't think hindered or caused all the injuries. Uh, I think it was not understanding the um, what the body is, requires to recover between seasons. Um, in the sport of gymnastics, we do a lot of mobility, a lot of stretching, and that came to be, you know, kind of, uh, a point where I became hypermobile. So I may have been able to avoid some of those injuries if I had worked on certain muscle groups like the hamstrings to avoid knee injuries, um, because I was so mobile in the hamstring itself, uh, being able to do splits and, uh, you know, jumping and a little hyperextension of the knees, my hamstrings needed to be stronger. And those type of uh, focused uh, strength training should have been in place, knowing what I know now. Uh, But I don't think that overtraining leads to injury. I think there's a balance between understanding what your body requires to recover and then how you can really isolate and strengthen certain parts of the body uh, to reduce your risk of injury. So when you get to college, you obviously have had this experience, um, uh, you know, as a gymnast and getting hurt and what have you. In addition to that, was there a specific moment in time where, you know, you decided, hey, you know, this is the path I want to take and this is what I want to do? Um, or is it just simply a culmination of all of your experiences up to that point? There was definitely a light bulb. Yeah, I, uh, I started shadowing a physical therapist named Garth Espy. This was in Greenville, North Carolina. And um, he had taken me through an ACL recovery program. I had torn my left ACL twice, actually. I had, you know, tore it, rehabbed it for six months. He said, you know, don't go back to sport. You know what to do. Do your homework. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a college you know, athlete. Uh, just said, I'll start playing intramural soccer. You know, I'll start, you know, doing some other fun things my friends are doing. And it just kind of taxed the joint. I was still working at a uh, cheerleading and tumbling gym at the time. So I had access to trampolines and spring floors. And so I was continuing to tumble on my own. Uh, I was invited onto a world uh, uh, competitive cheerleading group. So I did that for a couple years. So, you know, Eight months out, I retore that ACL. So I went back to Garth and he said, I told you so. And I said, listen, man, (laughs) I'm here to go full in with everything you have to do. I'll give you a full year. And so we became great friends at that point. I started working for his uh, private practice and um, it really just set me up for success. He was uh, able to work with that 12-year-old and that 90-year-old back to back. Uh, I just really... uh, got the passion to want to help people and, you know, have the demeanor of patience and education and really just kind of um, figure out the the whole route of physical therapy. Going into PT school was initially the plan, but then I started to realize that I wanted to help somebody more than that specific joint. Uh, typically, the way physical therapy works is you get a prescription for therapy, for a particular joint. You have a surgery on a shoulder and that orthopedic surgeon says, 
you need uh, physical therapy on that right shoulder that was surgery uh, surgically repaired. Well, that physical therapist can only help that right shoulder under that prescription. So that physical therapist legally should not be telling you anything about your left knee that bothers you or the low back pain you woke up with. And I wanted the flexibility in a career to be able to help somebody on the grand scheme of things. So if my personal training client comes to me, I can help them with that right shoulder for 15 minutes and then we can work on that left knee and then we can talk about structuring the low back with good core and, you know, posture. So, um, so most people, uh, unfortunately, you know, when they have choices on who they want to treat, you know, tend to treat you know, younger, um, either kids or young adults, you know, seems like there's a lot less people that are interested in helping the older population. Um, what was your driver in that regard? Uh, I had this, uh, really, really cool 90 year old male. Uh, he had transitioned from physical therapy into the wellness program, um, that we had on site. So what we developed was, uh, after somebody was discharged from physical therapy, they could pay you know, like a $30 membership fee to our private practice and they could continue to come as a fitness membership. So the physical therapy techs and the assistants kind of already knew that person and their timeline of physical therapy. And then we would just continue their program depending on what kind of goals that they were still trying to achieve and obviously the limitations that they came from in the therapy setting. Uh, this 90 year old man was so determined to, you know, get himself in shape to take care of his 85 year old wife. Uh, he was very adamant that he didn't want to be in a nursing home. He wanted to live independently. He wanted to be able to help out with around the house and continue to drive and do what he wanted to do. And me personally, I thought I was going to break him. I said, I really don't know. I've never worked with somebody 90 years old. But granted, he was in good shape. You know, thinking back on it, he did not have walking assisted device. Uh, he, you know, could sit and stand from a chair. He could really do what he wanted to do. But his shoulders and hands and knees, everything was pretty worn out. So I went to Wilmington, North Carolina with a friend of mine. And he said, hey, listen, like you really need to, you know, take this certification course. It's called the Functional Aging Specialist. So I went to Wilmington. I did a weekend certification and uh, learned all about uh, the industry of working with older adults. And uh, it was interesting because what I had experienced with children and the patience and type of progression of education that requires to teach a child how to do a skill was very, very similar to what it takes to be patient and educate an older adult. Uh, it's you got to achieve step one and step two before you move to step three. And, um, you know, working with that and seeing how rewarding it is to work with an older adult because, you know, it takes maybe two weeks of like a total of eight sessions and they see extreme improvement. You know, it's like an immediate response the body has from going from maybe sedentary or, you know, after surgery, you know, six to eight weeks later, they're a brand new person if they follow through with our program. So it was a very rewarding aspect. You know, we do like the 40, 50, 60 year old weight loss programs that we achieve, but something about that 70, 80 year old that is so proud of themselves, it brings them self-confidence. Uh, it gives them the passion to live. Sometimes it gives them that self-worthlessness or worth um, to give them that that, that perseverance just to continue on. What can they focus on after retirement? And, and it's their health and it should be. 
I would imagine too, you know, if somebody obviously had a, a health issue and then they, let's say, had surgery or they were in the hospital for a while, then they go to rehab, um, having family members that have been in rehab before, um, I mean, there's a little bit of, of physical therapy, but there certainly isn't enough. And, um, you know, I'd imagine that having a setback like that and then having that person come to you, um, you know, to me, that'd be a little, sounds like it's a much bigger project to get them going again than it would be, let's say, um, somebody that's already living independently that might be, you know, uh, have, might be in better health and not as compromised. And our, if that's the case, I mean, there's certain techniques, um, or better yet, just walk us through some of the things you might, might do for a rehab patient that's graduated, you know, compared to somebody who's, you know, in an independent facility right now. This communication factor from me to the physical therapist, you know, understanding, all right, they've achieved goals A and C, but they still need to work on goals B and D. Uh, so, you know, kind of understanding their baseline. So we do a lot of baseline testing, strength testing. We have uh, bioelectrical impedance scales that will measure your uh, muscle mass, body fat, and just overall um, water composition uh, as a good measurable factor because we want to make sure the body is balanced, very symmetrical. Um, so, you know, creating that symmetry is kind of the step one. Um, also creating some accountability and, you know, a structured schedule, uh, helping them understand how many times a week is going to find some effectiveness. Um, and then how long is this going to take? You know, some take a little bit longer than others, but giving somebody some sort of a timeline to understand so that they can really buy into it and commit, uh, that's step one. You know, step two being kind of educating them and giving them, you know, small kind of goal sets on saying, okay, here are your six exercises that's really going to help the knee. I want you to really work work hard on these six movements. And uh, then, you know, give them two more exercises, you know, three, four weeks later, and then two more exercises another couple weeks. So instead of giving somebody, you know, 12 things to do and step in the first day, can be very intimidating. It's not usually comprehended. And then you'll just run into um, somebody getting frustrated and then just stopping altogether or, or saying they don't have the time to do it. Uh, most of our workout programs can be achieved in less than 45 minutes. So we can really warm up and cool down and have a solid strength training f uh, focus on a particular body part or just general health in about 45 minutes or less. So and, uh, and do you have a full scale gym? I mean, uh, when they're focusing on specific body parts, are they, you know, working on, you know, machines, for example, or are you, is it more primitive where, you know, you're in a room and you have some dumbbells and some other things? No, we've got, we've got a full setup. We, we set up here in Briar Creek. Um, our facility opened about three weeks ago, so it's brand spanking new. Uh, it's 25,000 square feet. Uh, we've got wow. indoor pools. Uh, there's an aquatic pool and a lap lane pool. Uh, there's a dry sauna that's just in the aquatic area. Uh, in the strength training area, we've got, you know, a full array of three, three squat racks, um, dumbbells from two pounds to a hundred pounds. Uh, we installed what's called Kaiser pneumatics. Um, that is a air pressure equipment that was originally um, kind of invented for a speed performance in collegiate athletics. So you're using air pressure. So that's giving you the opportunity to have constant resistance under um, constant pressure 
that's going to facilitate safer joint movement, um, but also you can work speed, power, and reflex. So having that technology has given us the ability to use that for a rehab setting and also senior living. So once that Kaiser pneumatics became very successful in a collegiate athletic performance side of things, rehabilitation centers picked it up. And then from there, it went into senior living because it's very user-friendly. You've got thumb toggles that increase and decrease your resistance. And so you have um, an electronic display board that shows you pounds of pressure. So within a given movement, you can change that resistance on the fly. So uh, let's say, for instance, you're doing a a chest press. So the, the weight is starting close to your body. And you can start at a particular resistance as that that gets away from your body and you're a little bit stronger with your arms extending, you could increase that resistance at locked arms. And then you could slowly decrease in an eccentric movement. And that's going to give you extremely fast strength gains um, through that safe. Because under your most vulnerable position, when the weight is close to the body, you want you know a moderate amount of resistance because that's when the angle on the shoulder can get you into trouble. But as you're pushing forward, you can be increasing that resistance to a locked position. Once you're locked out, then you can lower that that heavier resistance all the way back down. So you know there's about eight pieces of equipment just like that in our fitness center. Obviously, we've got like you know 30 different pieces of cardio equipment, a turf area. Uh, group exercise classes all day long. Uh, and so having, you know, the individualized routines or that group X instructor uh, can give somebody something that they can be confident in, in achieving. And are these workout facilities embedded in the complex itself where there's residential living, for example? There is. Yeah, that's something Cambridge has really focused on. Um, we have what's called optimal living programs. And so what that is, is within the, um, within the senior living or retirement communities, uh, typically a resident is between uh, 55 and 95. Uh, they're all independent living. And so from that, they've got the ability to uh, – one second. Uh, sorry about that. Sorry. Um, from, from within that um, realm, they're able to utilize that fitness center, um, and that's included with their, their rental package. Um, now, our fitness member that doesn't live on site, uh, they pay a monthly membership fee. There's no long-term contracts. It's all month-to-month. So if they want to do you know, a three-, four-month program, they're able to you know, sign up and just commit to that three-, four-month. But after about three months, they love it. They, just, uh, they really know that their bodies – have needed this type of structure um, than going to another uh, fitness center and just kind of, you know, moseying around and doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, having structure is really the key for success. And how do you handle the, uh, do you get involved with the uh, nutritional aspect as well? We have this conversations, you know, to choose this, choose that. Um, legally, we're not going to give somebody a uh, particular diet program. We've got a lot of contacts and you know resources that we will pass over. Um, so we'll take a client and you know help them understand. You know they'll ask about different dieting trends and you know we can we can give them our two cents. But really, we give it to a professional. We have dietitians and nutritionists that we can refer to for you know some of those specifics. Yeah, I'm just thinking too. Uh, if they're in that facility, they're probably going down into the dining hall you know, in the morning lunch and dinner. And 
maybe I'm wrong, but the ones that my uh, in-laws were at, I mean, basically it's institutional food. So um, uh, they claimed their food was good, but I looked at it and I ate with them a couple of times. I'm like, the stuff's not yeah. any good. So <laughs> yeah, Cambridge Village has, the question. has really uh, taken that realm very seriously as well. Um, the owner used to work in nursing homes and was really uh, turned off by that institutional cafeteria style. So he has instilled uh, full-on restaurants into all three of his um, retirement communities. And so there's actually like three dining venues that they can choose between inside. Um, but it is full on fresh food, um, you know, high quality, fresh vegetables. A lot of things are sourced locally. Uh, in the Wilmington area, you know, we source the local um, seasonal vegetables and obviously fish. Um, and, you know, throughout the communities, uh, we have um, consultations with the chef and we do menu designs every two to three months. And so we change it up and we have, you know, very healthy options, but you, you can also choose your burger and fries if you need to. Mm -hmm. And if you want to reward yourself, but, uh, we definitely try to do some, uh, menu navigation, uh, classes or cooking demonstrations where we will, uh, prep, um, healthy food in front of, uh, a group of residents to say, hey, listen, you can be doing this in your home. You know, obviously you have this amenity and the convenience here, but um, I always try to help people understand that, you know, just cutting a cucumber and eating it and cutting some bell peppers as a snack, like you're not getting that in a restaurant. You need to do that on your own. And that's really, really going to bring in the vitamins and that raw veg to, to help your digestive system and continue to, you know, recover from your workout. So, um, the hydration factor is also implemented a lot throughout the communities to, uh, that's, that's a huge with our older population is dehydration with, uh, the medications that they're taking or just the laziness of feeling like drinking water makes them tired or makes them have to urinate more often. And so, um, the brain is, um, detrimental to dehydration. So, we really try to help them understand the importance of water, um, how to get water through vegetables and fruits, and then, you know, how to balance a plate, how to understand what macronutrients are and protein sources and, you know, eating different things each day uh, and how that affects their metabolism. In dealing with uh, the residents and, and some of the other, I'll call them patients in this case, um, is there a commonality to various weak points within the body? For example, they, because they, you know, based on their lifestyles, you know, is it more lower body compared to upper body? I know you're going to say it's universal, but in general, you know, what do you start, you know? And then, you know, like I said, is there a commonality in that? Yeah. Um, core and posture is typically the weak point. Um, when the glutes get weak, the knees take on additional load and stress so if your glutes aren't helping you sit to stand, absorbing ground forces as you walk and move, um, your hips also help kind of carry the weight of your body. So if you're carrying, you know, 20 extra pounds, the knees start to take that load as well. Um, so a lot of times we're focusing on um, hip extension and glute contraction and trying to build strength in the hips. 
um, posture, you know, cervical retraction um, uh, and scapular retraction, trying to get shoulder blades to squeeze back. Um, we see a lot of times mobility in the shoulder blades starts to get rigid and doesn't have the mobility like it used to. So um, range of motion reaching overhead becomes a limitation, which then pulls the head forward. And that's how we get into that um, hunched over, you know, older adult, you know, vision that we see. Um, it's pretty amazing. And one rewarding factor is totally changing the way somebody looks and how old they look just by repositioning their shoulder blades for an upright posture. I mean, you can look 10 years younger just by, you know, changing your posture and it also kind of helps you carry a little bit more confidence in yourself. You know, if you're if you walk up to a group of people and you're kind of hunched over and leaning into it, you know, you're kind of you're kind of holding holding in, but once you kind of can open up and really hold some posture, your confidence and your willingness to express yourself really opens up. So, um, those are some commonalities that we see very often is knees, posture, core strength. So from a glute perspective, would would be some of the, you know, common exercises you would put some of your, your patients through? It really depends on limitations. Um, if their knees are capable, we want to load some squats. Sit-to-stands are very important. Um, lunging techniques. But ever, some people say, oh, I can't lunge. You know, lunging really hurts my knees. But more than likely, they're not doing lunges correctly. Um, and glute bridges, lying down on your back, knees bent pulling the hips up and down, um, you know, understanding how to contract the core while moving the legs. So doing straight leg lifts from a, uh, you know, supine position, um, tons of leg work. Uh, the pool is a great way to start. Those that really have severely aged knees or surgically repaired knees, um, water therapy can do wonders for, uh, really decreasing your weight on those legs by about 70%. If the water levels at the stomach to the sternum, we've got a lot of different decrease on how much weight is through the legs. So water aerobics becomes very addictive to those because they, uh, they find that they get instant relief with an hour class. They, um, go from not being able to walk as well to all of a sudden having longer stride length, more strength in their legs, um, the core contracts through rotational movements, um, just a, a variety. So, you know, we've really built our fitness centers around lower body strength because it is so important with balance and mobility and, uh, weight shifting, um, you know, multi-directional movements is very important. Being able to sidestep and be, you know, very steady or, even walking backwards, you'd be surprised how many people, you know, look like toddlers walking backwards. <laughs> I have a two and a half year old and it's funny, I see very similar movement patterns between that toddler trying to move forward and that older adult trying to move backwards. Um, it's, it's interesting. And once they get better at moving backwards, um, we've decreased that fall risk tremendously because some dramatic falls that happen are falling backwards and, you know, landing on hips or hitting the head or reaching back behind you and ripping your shoulder up. So you, you've, once you can really get more comfortable in stepping backwards and, and making some quick adjustments or you know, practicing twisting up the legs, for instance, if you happen to cross over your feet, 
um, not being familiar with that kind of stuff really increases your risk of falling. And, and that's something that we emphasize a lot with our older adults because, you know, it could take one fall and set them back a long way. So, um, the education side on, um, fall risk prevention and doing, you know, multiple seminars and different events throughout the year to really, you know, bring a lot of focus to decreasing falls is important in our communities. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast on Joe Rogan a few months ago, and he had the, I can't remember his name, but he was, uh, he's pretty popular right now. He's the knee over toe guy. And, um, you know, he was basically advocating you know, deep knee bends, uh, but also walking backwards because none of us really walk backwards, right? Um, even when we're younger and uh, unless we're playing a sport and we're running backwards and, um, you know, just simply doing that, you know, helps strengthen the muscles around the knees and what have you. Yeah, it's really important. Um, yeah, I follow the knees over toes guy. <laughs> you know, I, I like to, I like to see his his approach, and um, we utilize some of that technique. But um, most of the time, we we uh, like to keep the hips um, back and and holding on to like a ballet bar on the wall, or you know, a heavy piece of furniture, or even the the kitchen sink can be you know, a great way to kind of load the hips, decrease stress on the knees and kind of really activate the glutes, understanding on hip abduction and hip adduction and how important that is to uh, keep the hips and the pelvic floor as well as the core engaged through that squat. Do you find that, uh, you know, obviously when you're older, you're going to have less muscle mass and um, some of the medications that are out there, um, you know, will depress that even more and also, uh, you know, through time, through age and through medication, you know, you're going to lose bone density as well. So, um, I know you you can't tell them to go off their meds, obviously, but, um, you know, do you find that, uh, uh, you, obviously you're, you're making progress with, with, you know, the people that you're treating, but do you find that it would be, they could accelerate some of that treatment if they weren't on some of these medications? Um, I, I don't know too much about medications, just the common ones that, you know, people tell me that they're taking, um, when it comes to strength training and aging, um, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can always, you know, increase strength. Now you might not put the mass on that you did when you were 30 or 40, 50 years old, but you know, who really cares at that point? You're really just trying to be functional and be able to, you know, if you want to hit the golf ball further, you can get stronger to hit the golf ball further. Um, if you want to be able to get down on the floor and pop right back up, you can build the strength to do that. Um, we have doctors in-house that we do consultations and blood labs. Uh, we do hormone panels and really start to understand where their hormones are at and, uh, Knowing that knowledge, it really helps us set them up to um, have advice from a clinical setting and then be able to utilize exercise physiologists and personal trainers to set them up um, with a successful strength training program, uh, depending on their limitations and their goals. Um, utilizing bioelectrical impedance can, you know, see those strength gains and give them that, you know, kudos to say, hey, you started with, you know, 20 pounds of muscle um, on each leg. Now you're at 22 pounds of, mu of muscle. So, you know, seeing that and having that um, medically based scale uh, can give them, you know, you know, maybe they don't see mass increasing, but they know that they are getting stronger and they, they obviously can feel it through sport or just functionality day to day. Sure. Yeah. You know, we've, um, at Optimal Bio, we, you know, treat, uh, patients that are 
you know, 60 and over. And um, uh, we use a bioidentical hormone uh, replacement therapy, which is the pellet um, and not the creams or the shots or the orals. And you know, we've seen, you know, we try to tell everybody too that, hey, when you're coming in, you're getting this, you know, your testosterone level is going to increase. Um, you will gain, you know, some additional muscle mass, um, but you need to work out. You need, you need to exercise, you know, those muscles. Otherwise, um, you know, you'll, you'll get some benefit, but you're not going to get as much as you want. And um, uh, we've also seen that, you know, patients that are coming in that have been on statins for a number of years, you know, tend to be, have less muscle mass and, and, you know, the, the bone density is, is less as well. So, you know, our doctors always told, you know, everybody that really the, you know, over 60 to the, the number two or number three cause of death is falling, um, you know, which then leads to a broken hip or a broken pelvis, which then leads to immobility, you know, rehab and then depression, and then you're coming out and then you're on more pills. And, you know, so it's great doing what you're doing because you're trying to get people, you know, to get motivated again to, uh, to, to be as independent as possible. That's exactly right. We love working with individuals that are um, going through hormone replacement or educated in that in that realm because we can really you know put them on a structured program to to help them see those strength gains. And if they do want to build muscle mass, especially males wanting to keep the shoulders broad and the chest erect, uh, you know, working through different kind of uh, patterns of um, strength training programs can, you know, really see some quick results, um, those that are, you know, undergoing some of those treatments. Um, but you're right on, you know, that is a huge um, scare for many older adults. And sometimes exercise is one of those fear factors that are like, okay, I'm going to go exercise, but there's a higher chance that I'll fall working out then if I'm sitting here in my recliner, I'm very safe and controlled in this environment. But as they go years to years and they're not exercising, they trip up doing the most common thing. And then they're down and they're like, I wish I would have been working out. So we try to help them understand coming to the gym is not a scary place. Like We're really going to hold your hand through the experience and it's going to start slow. They walk in and they see those 100-pound dumbbells and they're like, why do you have 100-pound dumbbells and squat racks with barbells? And it's like, you know, you could get there one day, maybe. But um, <laughs> that doesn't mean that that piece of equipment is here for you. We've got 20 other things that you could be doing. Um, and there's a lot of balance classes and, you know, um, really just joint health. We do some classes called Joints in Motion, which, you know, really just facilitates healthy joints. And it doesn't mean you're going to be lifting heavy weights, but you're just lubricating your joints. You're moving from head to toe and you're working the whole body. You're getting your heart rate up for 35 minutes and you're just, uh, you know, really kind of getting in the, in the zone. We've seen so many great success stories through that program. So you brought up a point earlier in the podcast about, you know, building the confidence and, and increasing basically their motivation, you know, to, you know, want to work out, want to be better. Um, what are your gifts? Like, how do you do that? You know, I think the good Lord gives us all, you know, specific uh, strengths and weakness, not gives us weaknesses, but gives us strengths. And we have these gifts and you know, a lot of us put them to good use. Uh, we hope we do at least. And uh, so like, what, what, what's your secret sauce? You know, how do you get somebody who's, you know, staring at that hundred pound weight, who's hasn't worked out, let's say in 20 years, um, 
uh, now suddenly, you know, um, they have some life choices they have to make and they're seeing you and, you know, how do you get them to, to, to change really, you know, a lifestyle that they've probably been accustomed to for the last 15 or 20 years? Um, I would say, uh, it's a combination of things. So you get to know somebody personally, you know, you really see what t- helps them tick and what's kind of holding them back. And you, uh, you start to realize, you know, what is their why? It all starts with that. You know, you really need to kind of dig in and feel out, you know, who they are and what is their why. That's so important for everybody. Um, then it comes into, you know, positive reinforcement. There's some social psychology that really comes into play to, you know, once you get to know somebody on a first name basis, they need to know where they're succeeding. A lot of times people um, are only told what they're doing wrong. And, uh, you know, there's some great trainers out there and there's some really great trainers out there that, um, will help their clients understand, Hey Jim, like you're doing this really, really well, but I want you to try to focus on this a little bit more. You know, you will attack that weakness or that failure that you've had so much faster than if I was to come to you and say, Jim, I saw you, you're not doing this again. Like, come on. I already, we already talked about this, you know? How are you going to approach that? You're going to burn out. You're going to say, uh, I don't really want to impress Blake anymore. Like he's, he's not being a kind person. But if I was to say, Jim, like I am so impressed with how you're getting through your workouts now. Like think about where you started and where you've become. Um, next step of their, our program is we're going to work on this today or we're going to work on that. Or let's think of one thing that we really want to get better at. So, you know, really helping you engage into your workout um, and giving you some positive feedback along the way, that's huge. Um, The social and emotional side of, you know, seeing similar people around you and seeing your peers succeed also gives them the confidence and the encouragement to come every day. Uh, Group exercise classes are um, a huge advocate because, you know, if you go to the same class Tuesday and Thursday every week, it's a similar 12 to 20 people in a class. And so if you're not there, they're going to call you and say, Jim, what's going on? You're like, ah, man, I woke up late and they're going to give you a hard time. Uh, But if, uh, you know, so having yourself surrounded by like-minded people that also are seeking, uh, you know, you know, results, it's gonna it's gonna help you succeed. Uh, a friendly environment always helps. Um, having confidence and having things organized definitely helps. Um, but it's it's ultimately the staff that care. You know, when they walk in, they really care that you're going to have a good workout. They want to know what you're doing and, you know, how you're doing it. And if you have any questions, like we're there to, you know, to accommodate your needs. And, you know, that's that's why people love our program. That's why we've really become successful over the last 15 years. So you mentioned the 90 year old success story um, a while ago. Um, Do you have a, a female success story you could talk about? So many. Yeah. It's, it's uh, predominantly, we do a lot of female exercise programs. Um, they're usually the first to buy in. The husband comes after the female succeeds. You know, once <laughs> the wife will start, she'll get in some programming, she'll find success. She'll be telling husband, Hey, you really need to check him out. This is a way different fitness center than I've ever experienced. Uh, the, the husband will eventually join and he'll do what's called the executive workout. So it's uh, the really smooth strength training program. And then he'll take advantage of the steam room and the, the hot tub and he'll do like a 10 minute swim. He'll just, you know, really vibe it out like that. But uh, when it comes to females, 
um, we have a ton of weight loss um, and a lot of them coming off medication. So um, some that have been sedentary and they've had three kids and they worked a, you know, professional um, career. Um, some still work in that career, but some are retired. Um, the one success story, you know, I can remember she she was like 62 years old. She was a banker for about 30 years, bank teller, and she had become overweight. She was a diabetic, heart disease, uh, it ran in the family. They kind of just signed her off and said, you know, it's hereditary. You need to take these five medications. You'll be okay. Um, she got in our program. She fell in love with uh, the water aerobics. She started getting involved in chair yoga um, and then as she started to succeed in those two platforms, she wanted some strength training advice. She started to uh, do two days a week strength training. All of a sudden, she shed like 25 pounds. Wow. Uh, she went back to her doctor, blood consultation. Now she went from diabetic to pre-diabetic levels. Uh, she was like so happy about that because the, the medication she was taking was really just disrupting her GI and she was just not happy with the medication. So she went all in at that point. She lost an additional 20 pounds. Uh, so at that point, um, she started really, you know, started to jog a little bit, not long distance, but just enough to just bring confidence back into her legs and say, I can do this. I just, I'm going to jog a mile. Like, I think I can do this. So, you know, at 62 years old to all of a sudden be jogging a mile when you were pretty much just sedentary lifestyle, a uh, huge success story. She encouraged so many of her neighbors to get started. Uh, family members, like it was like just that one person just, uh, you know, really, uh, attracted so many more to get started. And, uh, just, she just said, I just started, you know, just work with those trainers. They know exactly, you know, how to set me up for, you know, a specific routine. So yeah, it's not, it's a great story too. You know, peers love to see results too. So you see somebody that's, um, you know, like you and suddenly, you know, a year later, they look a lot different. They're happier, they're more active and that's they're it. doing things. And, um, it's a great motivator for somebody else to, to start doing that at that point. Uh, I imagine there must be a waiting list to get into Cambridge. I mean, it's the way you describe this place. It sounds like it's really, really nice. And um, uh, so I, I take it there's not any lack of demand, um, you know, for not only the residents, but probably for your services as well. Yeah, so um, Briar Creek location here um, near the Raleigh-Durham airport, we're brand new, so there's no waiting list. Yeah, we've got about 50 members have joined. Um, we've got a capacity that we could facilitate many, many, many more. Um, a residency, we've got about 10, 12 people that have already moved in. Um, our resident packages, you know, they've got um, all different types of um, apartment um, layouts that they can choose from. Uh, our Wilmington office has been there for about, you know, eight years. And so residency has almost maxed out. Uh, we still are taking on new clients in the fitness membership. Um, but it definitely, you know, we're, we're right around two, 300, 400 members there. So, you know, we can, we keep our membership numbers somewhat low because it's more of a quality of care versus a, a quantity of membership. So um, we rarely advertise our services. So um, yeah, we um, there's no wait list. Um, hmm. So if, if somebody listening to the podcast wants to come check out 
um, especially the Briar Creek location. If you are a Raleigh-Durham resident, you know, I highly recommend taking, uh, taking a ride and, you know, doing a tour, meeting some trainers, talking through um, some of your goals or limitations, and we can, we can see what kind of program would best fit their needs. Yeah, I mean, just like I said, based on my family experience with um, uh, independent living uh, and then assisted living, the way you describe Cambridge and what, from what I've seen, um, it's definitely a step above uh, some of these other facilities that some of our family members have been in the past. Uh, so surprising that it's, it's, I guess, in a way, it's good, you know, it's new. And um, um, so there is opportunity for people to get in there if, uh, they're, if they're looking for something um, to transition to. Um, after every podcast, we always ask the, uh, guests to, you know, give us five takeaways, uh, pieces of advice, um, that you want to partake on our listeners. And, uh, we're at that time at this point. And, um, so I don't know if you have five off the top of your head or you want to think about it for a few minutes, but, um, anyhow, you know, if you were giving advice to everybody out there, you know, based on the types of people you treat now and knowing that our audience is anywhere from, you know, 20 to 88, you know, at this point in time, um, what would you say? I mean, number one, get started. You know, if you haven't, if you haven't found a fitness center that I've described, you just need to experience it. So many times, uh, people that we work with have been in different fitness center and YMCA settings over the years and have had some bad experiences and, you know, have been kind of turned off and said, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, put together, you know, some gym equipment in my garage and I'll do this and that and the other. But um, very common, we get the um, we get the feedback that I wish I would have found you guys 15 years ago. Wish I would have, you know, capitalized on this type of structure um, many, many years ago. So, you know, a get started. B, if you've had a bad experience, try a new location. You know, really, you know, give something else a try where where you can tell that people care about your success. You're not another number on their membership count. You know, you really you you walk in the door and you can tell when you walk in the door that there you're here to find success. Um, I think the next thing is do something different. If you are an exercise, you know, if you, if you like to cycle, it's, it's time that you maybe try yoga. A lot of my cyclists that I work with, we work with a lot of triathletes too, because having an indoor pool just attracts that, that performance, you know, triathlete. So, um, a lot of times triathletes will come in and, you know, they're beasts. They, they've got great endurance, but they spend so much time working on cardio and endurance that they don't strength train or stretch. So uh, if you are an avid exerciser, find something different to challenge you. Um, as a former gymnast, I love calisthenics work. So, you know, I do love all the equipment and the technology and the air pressure equipment. But a lot of times I like to just do body weight exercise too: pull-ups, push-ups, squats, lunges, some plyometrics. So, you know, find something different to kind of put a different stimulus on the body to challenge your body in different ways. <clears throat> um, the next thing, find a pool. Water is a huge benefit to the body. Um, swimming can be a great endurance for you. It's very low impact. Um, if you've got some shoulder ailments, there's some ways around it. Uh, but having, having access to a pool 
and doing water aerobics or just water, you know, exercises, uh, and in combination with some lap swimming, uh, it will help your body age, you know, better than any other endurance package. You know, you really can, um, and mentally it's one of the most, um, gratifying feelings to do a 15 to 30, 40 minute swim. When you get out of the pool and you shower off, you have an appetite your body is like tingling with just appreciation and you just like, all right, I'm ready to go take on the rest of this day. Um, something about it. Um, and then probably the fifth thing, um, I'm, I'm struggling. I feel like I've touched on so many different aspects of our program, but, um, maybe just the baseline testing aspect, you know, when you go get your blood consultations, really dig in and, and ask questions about those levels that are you just in the the range of, you know, 40 to 300? Are you in that range? Great. But what is, what's the optimal range? Like where should I be to be in the best shape of my life? Uh, I think a lot of times um, you only get to talk about certain levels in your blood analysis when you're not in that huge range of healthy, um, you know, consulting yeah. with a company like Optimal Bio or, you know, our, our in-house doctor to kind of talk through your hormone levels is very important in aging. Um, and that ultimately leads to sleep. You need to know how to sleep. And if you're not sleeping well, you need to figure out how you can improve that because that is a huge part of aging. Um, we see that all the time. We've, we're doing some wearable technology um, that tracks sleep, and we're doing some pilot programs to see, you know, what type of programming, what type of exercise and nutrition can help sleep um, and meditation and things like that. So we're digging in and trying to educate ourselves just through experiences to see how we can improve sleep. So I threw in a number six in there. but Yeah, no, that's, hey, that's good. I am – in agreement with everything that you said, um, I am actually training for one of those little triathlon sprint things right now. So I'm in the pool Great. and it's boring as heck to swim in that pool, doing those laps, looking at that black line back and forth, back and forth. And then if you, of course I'm spoiled when I have to share a lane, I, now I'm, having, I'm a little aggravated. And, uh, but to your point, when you're done, you feel like you had the best workout in the world and you're on this high you know, probably for, you know, a couple hours later and, and you're grat you're grateful that you actually did it. So I do agree if we could figure out a way to entertain ourselves uh, while we're going back and forth, it'd be like probably the perfect workout. Um, and I do agree also it's traditional medicine as such and the lab ranges are so large these days um, uh, with pretty much everything that, you know, when you're normal, you know, and you're still not feeling that great, you know, the doctor basically says, hey, you're good and, and you're on your way. When in reality, you know, the ranges were a lot shorter, you know, back in, uh, you know, 90s, 80s, 70s, and so on and so forth. So um, our doctor always says, you know, follow how you feel and, you know, don't just accept, you know, a normal range as being optimal for you at that point in time. And so that's great advice as well. Um Hey, listen, this has been great. I, I really enjoyed, you know, having you on today and learning about yourself and, and what you're doing and, and uh, uh, love to 
keep a marker open and have you on uh, in the future. And um, for those that are interested out there, please check out Cambridge Villages. I mean, the place sounds spectacular, especially the one in Briar Creek. And, um, you know, Blake, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Jim. I'd love to have you over and show you show you the space. Um, if you uh, want to find our location, Google the Cambridge at Briar Creek. That'll bring you to the corner of ACC Boulevard and TW Alexander. Um, we're a few miles from the airport, so if you're in this area, or if we have a listener that is not a North Carolina resident um, and they're flying in through RDU and you have to spend the night, unfortunately, come check us out. You know, um, We've uh, established with some of the local hotels, and they're excited for that kind of avenue to you know, be able to advertise our a drop-in rate or something like that. We do allow drop-ins, so you don't have to be, um, you know, a monthly member to access the fitness center. Um, so if you just want to come by for a day pass, you can um, definitely, definitely utilize that service. Um, as far as entertainment in the pool, real quick, uh, yeah. a lot of our a lot of our members they have uh, fallen in love with the small Apple Touch or the Apple Cubes uh, and some um, waterproof headphones. And some listen to podcasts, some listen to music, um, and they say that that just helps them distract. Some do um, kind of meditation and tranquility through their swim. Um, you know, some, you know, there, there's that avenue of electronics these days of waterproof headphones and, um, you know, media technology to be able to distract you. So um, I personally just like to count. I'm, I'm like a you know, a kind of a crazy counter. So I guess as a trainer, I've been counting for years. <laughs> How well, many sets of 10 have I counted in the last 20 years? I know uh, we're pretty good million, at math, right? A few million counts. Yeah. I can have a conversation with you and know what count you're on without you knowing. Well, I'll potentially try the, uh, the waterproof headphones. I'm not sure that the sound will be higher enough to get over my breathing. <laughs> They've been breathing <laughs> right. and the slapping of the water during this whole, sure, the whole training yeah. session. But uh, hey, thanks again. It's been great and nothing but the best for you. And uh, thank you. Uh, good luck and God bless. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to do this again with you. If you have any kind of health topics that you want to run through, I'd be more than happy. So um, I'll be in touch with Aaron over the next you know, few months and I'm sure we'll collaborate on other events going forward. Sounds great. Thank you, Blake. All right. Thanks, Jim. This has been a production of Optimal Bio. Optimal Bio is CEO Tyler Brannon, podcast host and partner Jim Baker, medical director Greg Brannon, production assistance by Core Media, Beth Grabencourt, administrator, Kevin Duthu, executive producer. The podcast can be found on our website, optimalbio.com, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Our theme song is Sunwave by Paradiso, provided by Epidemic Sound. Thank you.